Hello. You all right? Yes. Uh, welcome to Stand Up Tragedy, Other Tragedies. You well? Yeah. Oh, come in. Sit down. Oh, hello. Hello. The travellers have returned. <laughs> wow. I didn't think it was that exotic a place you'd been to. Sorry, sorry we're, we're just... Just, yeah, we should probably get on with the show. Um, hello. Right. Um, so, uh, welcome to uh, other tragedies. Other tragedies. That's what we're calling it tonight. Hooray! Hooray! Nearly. Okay. Let me let me explain what your place is in this rather gorgeous domed um, dungeon thing. Ex former torture chamber, apparently. Oh, yeah, true. True story, apparently. Hence the all of the. Creepy stuff. So um, yes, this is this is what it's all about. Um, this is spoken word. This is poetry at the rock and roll end of the literature spectrum, ladies and gentlemen. And for yes, absolutely, for this this rock and roll performance, people are getting up and and bearing their souls in verse form and all that kind of gorgeous thing. Um, on top of that, we need you see a rock and roll audience. Can you be that rock and roll audience? Yeah. Yes. Sounding more like it. That's good. See, the thing is, you need a bit of, of those active listening skills because what we've got coming up here to this newly bedecked microphone is well, I, I can't put this any other way, but basically, poets. We'll be having poets up here, and poets, they're kind of they're, they're tender, delicate creatures, and, and they need your concrete signs of, of love and uh, approval, which they're frankly seeking in their, in their verse forms. So, um, yeah, so we need, we need that kind of active listening. We, we need to, and frankly, we can't really see very well until we do that, and that's not a cool look. So, um, yeah, it's better with a hat, I'll do that. That's oh, hello, hi. Um, <laughs> you are here. It's not just, not just talking to the voices. Um, so, <laughs> it's, it's lovely. It's great. Well, there are. There are. I can actually hear them. Um, so, yes, um, you are here to provide some kind of feedback to us, to let us know that you care, that you're there even, and all that kind of thing. So um, you may be saying to me, Faye, for that is my name. Faye, I am a polite and well-brought-up audience member. I don't talk while other people are talking, because this is a talking kind of show, and that's very good. Talking while other people are talking is rude. I don't think there's any actual um, polite way around that. There's actually just rude. But um, we're talking about that kind of active listening noises. And we're going to practice those. Like that. <laughs> That's just one of them. Um, <laughs> I'll just keep going. We'll see what happens. Um, and um, yeah, so we're, we're going to practice together the kind of noises uh, through which you can show your, your concrete <laughs> approval for our lovely poets. Uh, it's also worth mentioning that with this whole former torture chamber vibe thing, we have reasons to suspect that the spirits are a little unquiet. So in order to kind of, you know, keep them, keep them happy or drive them away or whatever, we do need a lot of noise from you. So the first one, which is very popular, I currently um, perform and live in Cambridge. And in Cambridge, they're very fond of the kind of the intellectual sign of approval, which kind of goes, hmm. There's a lot of hmm. Sometimes there's optional chin stroking, hmm. So it's good. So we're going to practice that together. Chin stroking or not, it's up to you. Like I say, it's optional. But if you've got a fine beard like this gentleman here, you will probably want to stroke it. I know I'll stroke it later. It's fine. Anyway, so <laughs> that's, that's all right, isn't it, Tim? It's all right, isn't it? Yeah, it's fine. Okay, good. So, um, yeah, so after three, we're all going to hmm together. After three, one, two, three. Hmm. It's a fine hmm. It's very good. So now we're going to head just deeper into the, in, into the emotional. And it's going to that firework noise. Because sometimes someone can say something that makes you go, ooh. Sometimes ah, but I think we're going to go for ooh tonight. So after three, one, two, three, ooh. That was 
scarily chorusy, wasn't it? The rose. There are a lot of performers in the audience by any chance. Maybe a few. So yes, ooh, lovely. And then we're kind of heading deeper again into the limbic system in order to produce something I can only describe politely as a kind of voiced gasp. <laughs> Sounds like, oh, it's going to happen. <laughs> We've got Keith Jarrett on. It's, it's going to happen. <laughs> you know, I'll be honest. So you might as well get practice now. And this is a good thing, perhaps, to have practice for the rest of your life. I don't know. There might be other opportunities to use this noise. Anyway, let's practice. To get, we're all in it together. So after three, give me your best voice gasp. One, two, three. <laughs> you might want to just crank that down. I don't know. Just, just a little bit. Okay, so as in a, right, we, what we've tried to incorporate from our transatlantic cousins is the, uh, is the clicking. It kind of means, yeah, yeah, I like, totally get you, man. I'm like right there with you. It, um, not everyone goes for that. It, we, it doesn't work in Cambridge. Everyone goes, um, sorry, I think I'll, I'll stick with hmm. Thank you very much. I'm not sure about this. It's rather, you know, gauche. But um, yeah, those, those people who like clicking, feel free to click. It's fine. Um, you know, if we, we won't censure clicking, but we probably won't practice it either. Um, what else? Uh, what else? Oh, yes. Uh, obviously, if, if someone makes a funny deliberately on the microphone, you are, in fact, permitted to laugh. But again, practicing laughing is really creepy, so we're not, <laughs> just not going to do that. I'll do that by yourself at home sometime, but just right here, probably not. Okay, so we've been through our hmms, oohs, ahs, uh, clicks, maybe or not, and our, our giggles. So now I'm going to welcome you again to the Banshee Labyrinth. You're going to welcome me back. We're going to make all of that noise, going to practice welcoming the poets to the microphone. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Other Tragedies! Oh, like it, thank you very much. People who are skulking at the back, you can come in if you like. More than welcome. There are seats and everything. Wonderful stuff. So, what have we got on for you tonight? Well, we are um, a special one-off. Usually we do like a whole run of this, but we're just doing it as a one-off. So let me explain what we are embedded within, as it were. Stand-up tragedy. Uh, Stand-up tragedy. Uh, laugh till you cry, then cry till you laugh. A, a cathartic night of all sorts of beautiful art forms. Tonight it's going to be pretty much mostly about the poetry, unless someone's going to surprise me and do a tap dance. Probably <laughs> if I did it, it would be definitely be tragic, but no, we're not going to go there. Um, so yeah, mostly about the poetry. Um, you can find Stand Up Tragedy on uh, that Twitter, on Stand Up Four, numeral Four Tragedy. They're on Facebook. Uh, they have a podcast. This is going to be recorded for podcasts, and they seem to churn them out very quickly. So go find them, follow them, and you can hear all this again as if you've been there again. But you can also hear the other things that were that were happening before. You can hear this gentleman at the front in his wonderful mellifluous tones, because he was on earlier in the run, weren't you? Yes, he was indeed. You couldn't see the hat on the podcast, but you can hear the beautiful tones, and you can hear more tragedy tomorrow, and the day after, and the day after, and the day after, here. But we haven't even had our own tragedy here right now. Let me tell you what's coming up. Apart from me babbling, I will try and shut that down very soon. Uh, we will have the lovely Tina Sederholm. Can I have a hurrah for Tina Sederholm? Good stuff. We will be then having all the way from the fence, we have Mr. Andy Bennett. Can I have a whoop for Andy Bennett? Very, very good. Uh, when she turns fence, when she turns up, because she's already, she's doing a show and she's going to be galloping up here. But let's practice a huzzah for Hannah Chutzpah. Huzzah! And then we'll be having Keith Jarrett. Yay! Keith Jarrett. And then, um, then we'll be doing the bucket pitch after that. But, you know, we'll just, we, can, we can get on to that later. And then you'll have a little bit from me, because I don't just jabber, I also do poetry. Wonderful stuff. Are we all clear what our place is in this domed thing? 
that we find ourselves in wonderful stuff. I'm going to pass you on then with very little further ado. You can click if you like, but I think she'd prefer uh, uh, an applause and clapping and whipping and all that kind of thing to welcome the wonderful Ms. Tina Sedaho! <laughs> Evening. <laughs> so, The Fringe. We sort of count success in numbers here. How many stars? How many audience members? What did you get in your bucket? How much product have you sold? Fuck that, <laughs> I say, as a measure of success. And anyway, success is really only half of the coin, isn't there? There's a flip side. There's failure. And... Uh, uh, I, ha I have, um, I've, I've, I've learnt an appreciation of failure, so much so that, as you can see, I've written a poem about it, a sort of hymn of praise, so we can, because uh, failure gets a bad rap, in my opinion, um, but uh, it's going to be at least 50% of your life. Sorry if you hadn't already realised that. Uh, and so you may, you, may as well start, uh, you may as well start getting used to it and appreciating it, in my opinion. Failure... You make me interesting. Give me stories to tell at parties where others market themselves as heroes. The corporate veneers fell off my teeth years ago. I couldn't maintain that winning smile, that homogenized glow. So let's forget your bland doppelganger success and let me praise you for all the lows. Thank you for all the film stars that didn't send roses or pink limousines and their facsimiles in the wine bars of my youth, who, with a single glance, bestowed upon me the superpower of invisibility. As I was also a facsimile of myself back then, let me celebrate those lucky escapes and let me praise you like I should. Thanks, too, for my love affair with an art form that is the world's worst career move. <laughs> With more exponents than Justin Bieber's got believers and fewer audience than an arachnid's fan club. Still, poets make generous friends. Well, until someone gets a book deal. <laughs> Even then, let me praise you like I should. Failure We've come a long way together. You've gifted me with pouchy cheeks and cellulite drawers. You're the midnight bar of Cadbury's when the diets run short of aphorisms. Thank you for all the jobs I didn't get, the medals I didn't win, the orgasms I didn't have, and all the ones I faked. <laughs> if I'd won those battles, I'd be constantly on the run, chanting, failure is not an option when you absolutely are. So let me celebrate you, failure. Let me praise you like I should. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. All right. Yeah, because I'd like to question this whole thing about tragedy being a negative thing. Because bad things are going to happen, or things we call bad are going to happen in your life. And... Um, you know, sometimes you can watch a friend going through something that re looks really, really awful, like divorce or losing all their money. And, uh, and what you're really thinking is, this is doing you an awful lot of good. Um, but obviously, you're not going to tell them that. Uh, but you might, you might go home and write a poem about it, uh, which is what I did here. Your great mistake was to assume you owned him. He came at best with a heavy mortgage 
All you possessed was a debt you could never hope to repay. Nor is the weight of absence that hangs on your shoulder the agent of your loneliness. You were already lonely before you bought the dream. So now what? Out in the street, faced with your former front door, emancipated from everything except the clothes you're wearing, you find, miraculously, you're still breathing. The sun continues to follow the arc of the sky. Children shout in the playground. The damp tarmac waits patiently for your reply. thoughtful about this whole tragedy thing so um inevitably this is edinburgh i have a show what a surprise uh yeah good delusion it's on every day apart from tomorrow don't come tomorrow well do there's a nice show on instead the book of jubilation but mine's called the good delusion it's all about how to survive when being good turns bad uh, um, which you know obviously i think is a good life skill to have and uh, so this is a piece from the show and um it's my sort of mantra for this for this year and goes like this. Please, don't be good. Forget what teachers, parents, lovers say. Wear stripes with spots. Trot to the shops in your dressing gown if it tickles you. Please, don't be good. There's so little space between G and D. Two circles to shackle your feet while you type tomorrow's essay. Report obituary. Please. Be a dog. Work like a dog, play like a dog, love like a dog, tail wagging, poor scrabbling until tongue longing, you corpse out in the sun, refusing to move unless someone throws a stick you can't resist. Please be a dog. Rejoice in limbs, spin till giddy, greet friends as travelers return from the high seas, even when they've only been gone five minutes. And while you might not sniff someone's ass when you meet them, <laughs> third day, <laughs> consider following your nose over what's written on their CV. Have undying faith in the healing properties of sleep. And if you want three, no, five cushions to curl up on or lie on your back, hind legs curved in Celtic prayer, airing your genitals, then do it. Come on, let your dog out, let it sniff about, find the trail that's most enticing. If you don't, it will keep whining anyway. So toilet train it, but don't over-domesticate it or smack it across the nose with a manual on how to behave. Just work like a dog, play like a dog, love like a dog. Tail wagging, poor scrabbling until tongue lolling, you corpse out in the sun. Sarah Home, ladies and gentlemen, catch her at 12.30 uh, every day. Is there a, when's your break day? Tomorrow. Tomorrow. Don't come tomorrow to see her, but there'll be something other that's wonderful here. But come and see her 12.30 here every day, apart from then. Another round of applause, please, for the lovely Tuesday. You're going to get a poem from me now. What I like about stand-up tragedy is it gives you a chance to do the poems you wouldn't necessarily do anywhere else where the, the pressure is perhaps to be nicer, frankly. You can be a little tragic. This was written on and for the 31st of July. And um, 
well, you know, this is stand-up tragedy, so there's it's going to be swearing. We've already had this. We've, we've had the swearing. It's good. Um, we're going to have more. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's not always not always happy, but it's about working. It's about the catharsis. This is called Marker. Sixteen years today. Sixteen years and grey hairs salt me. Multiple choices mock me. You're recategorized. Never mind. I think she'd still recognize me. And I'm joined every year by more companions in grief, reaching out, each one bludgeoned by all the memories, sweet and bitter, all the feelings hot and cold, all the exploded notions of continuity dashed. Record houses now ash. And she'd want to know. So sometimes I tell her, even the things I never could for fear of her fear, cringing from her pain, and the rage gains ground on these days, we teeth worn to stubs where none can see. And I'm imagining the talk. Me trying to outline what we've got now, what we've left behind. I'm finding modern culture quite hard to describe. Winding fists into minefields in high definition. I'm surrounded by sound. Some of it music so profound that I'm listed higher than I ever thought I could reach. And I'm preaching redemption at every soul. It gets better. It does. Mummy, I'm a poet now. And yes, I still sing, and I'm happy in my life, and I thump drums to guide others' footsteps by it. Okay, no child, but I'm proud of what I'm passing on. But some of the chatter is noise for its own sake, and hate still holds sway in too many hearts, and I worry that we've parted ways, those who sing of common spirit and those who bang gavels gabbling, common sense, rhetoric of division, flinging new walls higher. And while people are dying, others are crying about lions and decrying the desperate. Let them eat cake. Let them bake in their own ovens. Let them scramble and fail. Let them be inconvenient. Let them be the graffiti on the marble bank fronts and a front to property. No ladder for them. Let them stay right there. Let them bear the marks of our boot heels. We can clean that stain off. We've got all the chemicals you could possibly want. And we've dropped taxes and edited credits and let everything that was fought for be no more than two pages in a textbook. And look, the cat is dancing. And look, the puppy's laughing. Look, the meerkat's grip tightens. We're enlightened. We've got an app for that. And in the meantime, changes are grating, prating, ingrates, scraping more for themselves off others' plates. And we've seen this before, this sort of thing before. We can grade the score, draw the lines from then through now to eventual rebellion. We've got to draw lines and draw the line. And I'm so psyched that love won, but there's still a lot to be done, like a metric fuckton where equity is sneered at as unfair, where religions who preach in love's name declaim against each other and prop up ancient laws and pour scorn on people's safety, where rapists of all genders are engendered in silence and nurtured in shame, where game players rake in cash that must make nurses sick, where pricks think that hoisting a hashtag will make more of a fucking difference than this poem. Because at least it's more than seven score letters and pre- Packaged emoticons. But you know what will make for change? You know what will heal us, make us free? Actually, that's not a question. You know how redemption goes and how love flows. You know you've got to show that instead of tribe, we are a species, we are creatures. And instead of creatures, we are the breathing, bleeding, needing, reaching, yearning, learning, teaching, even song of star flesh. 
The coalescence of scattered suns spun glass perfection in every cell, and we are all relative, and who fights more than family? And that's why we're feeling jealous. See, we know that we could have what's held up as aspirations, and we flail at neighbours, those within our grasp, and it's not fair. I know. It's not fair. And maybe we can't reach the thieves who fleeced us yet, but we can spend every second of the next set of years being the people we can be, arms hard around each other's shoulders, boldly loving everyone who needs it, staunching those who bleed instead of aping Egypt clenched in greed. Pay no attention to them. My mother always said she meant well, and to a certain extent that works. But we'll be cursed if we let our gazes drift too far too long because they're not them they're us this is 40 caught up in all the things I haven't done and I'm still yet to do brooding on inequities but feeling that I've got more power than at 24 a bigger voice more choices and more responsibility to share out the equity of my comfortable life strive for verity stand firm and a firm love even to those who have eschewed it 16 years to the day. You told me you were proud of me. Now I am too. But like I said, I've got a lot of work to do. Thank you. which means I'm the MC mode again. But let's have another round of applause for Faye Roberts. Yeah. Thank you very much. Right, I'm going to introduce you now uh, to my boy from the East. Are you ready, Andy Bennett? He is ready to go. He's got a show. He's Well, everyone who's coming up here probably has got a show, except for me. This is my show. So, um, yes, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this stage, the rather wonderful, the lovely. This is Andy Bennett. Okay, um, can we just have a round of applause for Faye for being the first person I've seen to get the phrase metric fuckton into a poem? <laughs> um, I've done my show today. It's at 3.25 if anyone... It, this really is... The Banshee Labyrinth light is really... I cannot see any of you. Um, if anyone's about tomorrow, I'll, I'll give you a flyer after this. Uh, but, um, yeah. What was I talking about? Nothing. Poetry. poetry. Yeah, let's do some poetry. So this is um, the Edinburgh Fringe, obviously, and this is the worst thing that could possibly happen to any poet's liver. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to do you a poem about drinking. It's goes like this. As I woke in pain and bleary, with a stench so foul and beery, I wrestled with this query. How'd I end up here once more? Indistinctly, I remember I'd been on a vodka bender when I woke with head so tender on the clammy kitchen floor. This I knew, but nothing more. Well, it's lucky no one found me with those empties all around me, staring anxious and astounded through an open cupboard door. Because there under the sink was what I'd clearly had to drink. Nestled next to the box of Persil was a bottle of Lenore. <laughs> Fabric softener called Lenore. Now, 
In my younger years, I drank many kind of beers, wines and spirits, alcoholic drinks galore. But I've never been so punk that fabrics often have been drunk. <laughs> However, I've sunk no, I'm, when I'm really fucking poor and I'm often very poor. What the hell had I been thinking in the midst of all that drinking that I needed a subtle hint of lemon freshness at my core? <laughs> well, why even stop there when there's plenty of fairy liquid Daz and Ariel for a nightcap I could pour? Or in the case of washing powder, snort. So I'm lying there in bits, belly full of beer shits and a loathing of myself, which I clearly earned, I'm sure, when like fearsome thunder clapping, there arose this noisome tapping, only Michael Winner rapping could annoy me anymore. He's been dead for years and I shouldn't do that joke anymore. There, as the sound began to rise, just like the pain behind my eyes, I quite slowly realised that I was on my own no more. For as far as I could gather, at my feet there sat a badger. <laughs> His face all wet and splattered, blood red in tooth and claw, evil badger, steeped in gore. The badger sat there grinning like the ghost of all my sinning, simply grinning, only grinning with a smirk upon his jaw. Had he come here to confuse me, to torment me and abuse me? It could not be to soothe me with that blood upon his paw. Oh, badger, wherefore? <laughs> Still he sat and showed no motion, nor no flicker of emotion, or any kind of notions of what he'd come there for, just sitting in the gloom, emanating clouds of doom, which filled my chilly room with a glimpse of what's in store for the fool who drank Lenore. <laughs> and still there is this crashing, like 50 cymbals clashing in my head with heated passion. How much more could I endure? My senses all routed, my sanity I doubted. Desperate I shouted, the badger on the floor with all the sense that I could draw. Oh, why do you annoy me? Were you sent here to destroy me, being so loud and noisy when my head is very sore? Why, you black and stripy bastard, don't you know that I got plastered last night while I was wasted, got this, <coughs> drank this bottle of Lenore? <laughs> Quoth the badger. Shut your ball. Why don't you quit your crying? Yes, you're sick and maybe dying. It's your own fault you were lying there upon the kitchen floor. What the hell do you expect? Hurling that shit down your neck. Thus the badger did reflect, oozing hate from every pore. I continued. I implored, oh badger. I've been thinking, is this about my drinking? Are you here to give an inkling I should think about a cure? Please, badger, say this visit just arouse my drunken spirit. The booze will... I can quit it. Help me, Badger, I implore, quoth the Badger. Don't be sure. <laughs> Did I neglect to mention that this ain't an intervention more a sign of the dementia in the brain that you forswore? No way I'm here beside you to help you out or guide you, but rather to deride you. You're a moron, to be sure, quoth the Badger, with a roar. <laughs> now we lie in the pre-dawn, heavy blinds and curtains drawn, and the Badger... With a yawn, rests his head and starts to snore. As my senses start to dull, I know for him there'll be no cull. For the, for the pounding in my skull says it's me that is no more, thanks to drinking damned Lenore. <laughs> and the badger still is napping, despite the tapping, still is napping and occasionally crapping on the clammy kitchen floor. <laughs> 
As my eyes begin to close, I feel him drooling on my toes. For me, there's no more shows, no returning. Pa, d'encore. And I'll go drinking. Never more. Thank you. I know this is supposed to be stand-up tragedy, and, and uh, so Edgar Allan Poe, who obviously wrote The Badger, The Badger, wrote The Raven. He said that apparently the most fitting subject, through a long and torturous syllogism, said the most fitting subject for poetry was the death of a young and beautiful woman. I think we've just proved that the most fitting subject for poetry is the death of a young and middle-aged me. <laughs> On that subject, I'm going to read you another poem um, that nobody else has ever heard, because it's in my book, <laughs> which nobody has ever bought. And it's called, for the dickheads who like this French jokes, <laughs> it's called, Ceci ne pas un homme. Thank you. I am the archetype of all mankind. I am Adam, if you will. At the height of middle age, despite my youthful good looks, these salty stubble tracks show wisdom, maturity, <laughs> character, and in a way that makes no biological sense, backbone. <laughs> these proto-croto eyes have squinted over life's prairie. Seen the existential tumbleweed and said, yeah, bring it on. <laughs> this abdominal buffer zone <laughs> says this is a man who has seen that moment somewhere in his late 20s when his body decided to start storing up all the beer <laughs> instead of puking up all the beer. <laughs> This is a man who has seen women naked. This is a man who owns his own hammer. <laughs> this is a man who can sign legally binding documents. This is a man who doesn't smell of links. This is a man who likes a petrol lawnmower just for the noise. This is a man who knows that names will never hurt him. This is a man who knows about aphids. This is a man who sometimes eats quiche. This is a man who you probably still would. This... This is a man who knows the rules of croquet, for fuck's sake. This is a man who has fought and cried and lived and loved. This is a man. This is a man. This is a man. This is a man with a kryptonite heel who gets both of those references. <laughs> this is a man whose greatest fear is that someday, somewhere, a real grown-up will entrust him some keys, an expense account, the code to the safe, an open bar tab, and that four drunken days, three broken promise, promises, and two Toys R Us trolley dashes later, that same grown-up will come back with a face like a body snatcher and go, <gasps> It's been f 
faking it all along. <laughs> in his head, he's only nine years old. You idiot, you gave him a fucking credit card. <laughs> this is a man who shouldn't treat his knees that way. <laughs> this is a man that says, sorry, you're right. No, I don't care about house prices. Is there any chocolate? Can I have some friends round to play? This is a man. This is a child, but this is a man. I've been Andy Bennett, thanks very much. That was Andy Bennett. I think that needs more applauding. <laughs> you can see Andy at, is it Silk? Yes. Silk. 325. I, I shall flyer these people. He will. Honestly, he will. It's great, but you should take them. It's beautiful. Um, yeah, so go and see more of that for longer in a different place. It'd be great. Um, so, I, is Hannah here? Hannah is not here. Bloody poets. So, it's fine. You can, you can take. I think it's Keith. Yeah, I think it's Keith. Right then. Man with probably the nicest smile in poetry. As well as the most soothing voice. Pretty much, yeah, I think so. Ladies and gentlemen, go just a little bit crazy and welcome to this stage, Mr. Keith Jarrett! They're right about the lights. I think everyone who's going to come up is going to say the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so, um, I feel I kind of have to apologise every time I, I do a gig where people have not met me before because there's all these expectations. Some people assume that I was named after that famous jazz pianist, Keith Jarrett, and I wasn't. Um, and other people who know my dad but don't know me for some reason, um, might think that I was named after him. He's also Keith Jarrett. Um, and I wasn't named after him. Um, but this is the true story of how I got my name. For my birthday, they rescued my name from a bargain bucket embarking, too cheap to afford a new one. Dogged and ragged, they wiped it down best they could, said I was an old soul anyway. I would have been a Lindsay, Russell, Daniel, or a Curtis, but they gave me this one to suckle on, so I bit, chewed, kicked, and rattled it till it tinkled out jazz piano lullabies on my baby stool. I carried it to school on my shoulders. My friends liked to call it Jarrett the Parrot, Keith the Chief, and Mellow Men. It was the way its yellow eyes shut on top of class desks. I guess it was because it lacked focus. Older now it became a pet I couldn't bear to hear barked out on buses. I tried to drown it in the River Thames. It still skulked behind like a bad wind. My name was too dirty, too old, too much like my father. At home I was LK Junior, Daniel D and anything but my name, but my name got bigger, grew claws, stretched to five foot eight inches tall and became solidly built. It swallowed me up and 
belched proudly, leaving me where I still remain, trapped inside. My name is now writing poetry, last I heard. Tells tall tales about its origins. Far from the land of its adopted parents, far from the bric-a-brac stalls lining East London streets, it can be found, tracing its roots back to some old Celtic village where it once meant something. <laughs> Yeah, I'll, I'll, I, I need a bit of energy, so I'm going to ask for some, like... Um, no, so, um, what I want you to do, because I'm not sure how many of you have been to a protest before, but generally speaking, people shout, like, shame on you, shame on you. So if I, like, raise my hands like that, could you all do, like, shame on you? All right, so let's practice. Shame on you! Shame on you! Shame on you! I like that. All right, um, you're only going to have to do that like three times or something. Um, so I wrote it after going to a protest and thinking, why the fuck was I there? Um, and then loads of other shit got into this poem, as it does. After I've protested outside embassies, after I've bought badges and signed petitions, wondering if my details will land in guilty hands and... Shame on you! Shame on you! Shame on you! After I have read and seen red and been ambiguous, after I've drained myself of pride and piss in a discreet corner over a drain, and then, after I've been that drain, after I've spilled my stories, after I've once again pulled my tongue from the custody of its thirsty mouth, and after I've drunk, and after I've been promised living water and hellfire by the same preachers and... Shame on you! Shame on you! is preying on my lonely and after after then after i thought that if jesus couldn't save me maybe feminism would and after i after i burnt my bra quietly with my chest inside and after the smoke inhalation and i have singed everything and i can no longer pull myself out by my short and curlies and i can no longer pull myself out of the protest or pull myself out of the bed of the morning and after R. Kelly, after believing I can fly and learning I damn well can't, and either believing in myself when I could no longer believe in truth or flight, and then believing in the divination of tongues locked against each other during one night stands, and after breaking my bed during an adventurous handstand and after after vomiting in that room and promising never to drink again and after drinking again and not vomiting and after vomiting vomiting again and not from drinking and after returning to the broken bed and after the second coming after raising all the religious references and downplaying all cultural contexts and negating all the adverse effects of history to justify genocide and after i've been muttering history keeps repeating history keeps repeating history keeps repeating until my tongue is dry and after i've drunk again and after after I've become a full-blown slacktivist and deliberately avoided the protest because I have no voice left to shout with, and consequently, after I've buried my tongue somewhere else instead, and after I absent, <laughs> and after I absent-mindedly wrote you a poem after that, and after I felt the hairs on my chest singe one more time, and shame on you, shame on you, shame on you, has colonised my consciousness, and I've forgotten how to roll back the progress of time and release the pressure on my head, which is always so psh, angry, always gets rubbed up the wrong way by the well-meaning, because after I've bartered some of my anger for vulgarity and some of my sadness for short sarcasm, and I still feel short-changed, and I mean 
before. I mean, during these mean days when I have to endure the weight of a double-decker bus on my eyelids every single time I leave my home, and before the violence, and before the drumbeat begins to really kick in, jumping up in unison with one hand in the air, and before my cry is drowned out by the stomp and you forget I was even here, I just wanted to say, never look down. Thanks. I've got a couple of minutes, so I'm going to sum up my last relationship in about 20 seconds. Um, B-sides. Mother says the devil had all the good music. So when we met, I knew you had to be on the side of the angels. <laughs> Okay, I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll try and win that back a bit. That was cool. um, so yeah, I, I was um, so I, I was writing a poem which I thought was about like you know old stuff, um, and it ended up being about an old relationship. Did anyone have a Sega Mega Drive, by the way? Or was it just me? Oh, cool. All right, nice one. Cool. <laughs> Your Sega Mega Drive has quietly gone to a better place. He's drinking snowball cocktails with the fondue set. He's making awkward love on a bed of shoulder pads. You will find it underneath the cheat codes, printed on continuous paper with the holy edges fashioned into paper worms in an undisclosed location. You were told that energy never dies, only progresses through an infinite series of levels. I hope this goes some way to explaining our demise. One day, I dislocated my cousin's eyeball with a karate finger when I thought Bruce Lee could... True story, sorry. <laughs> when I thought Bruce Lee could enter dragons and fists could only be furious. And then I learned that grounded was a thing that Americans did to their children. Like there were tiny satellites temporarily aborted, recalled but somewhere on a cartridge in an East London attic are instructions for defeating your opponent using the deadly combo moves of a six-button controller pad. That's A, B, C, X, Y, Z, and then normal, turbo mode, slow. And then today, thinking of you, I was struck by a blow that sent my memory free-falling. I'm a sore loser still, pulling the plug before the final KO, answering phantom calls, calling foul play, and then finally, Finally giving way, giving in, inhaling heat, inhaling deep, and pressing on the bruises. Cheers. That is my new book. It's all shiny and stuff. Um, so, yeah, like, ask me about it another time. <laughs> also, another thing to ask me about is... Uh, tomorrow's stand-up tragedy. I'm not. I'm not doing any shows of my own, but I am going to be um, hosting um, stand-up tragedy tomorrow, and it's going to be very, very exciting. There are a couple of people who are here <laughs> who you might wish to hear properly, um, and so yeah, I'm excited about that, and I hope you are too. Um, and looking at the time, I've got time for a haiku, um, which is going to be romantic. Um, and it's called The Day I Bought You Flowers. You can count along if you wish. Tesco's.
Discount rose. Lucky girl, the cashier chimes. Yes, I smile. He is. Another roar of applause, please, once again, for Keith Jarrett! All the stuff Hannah has entered the building. This is good, because my blood pressure's just sunk just a little bit. Oh, what a relief. Um, I'm going to explain briefly, though, for those of you who have to dash out about this whole free-to-get-in-but-not-so-free-to-get-out kind of, <laughs> kind of thing, just in case you're thinking you might sneak out before I say that. Like, I didn't know. Um, so, yeah, PBH, Free Fringe, it's, it's free-to-get-in. It's, it's all glorious poetry, comedy, tragedy, dance songs, sing-along, whatever their thing is in PBH, Free Fringe. But the idea being that, well... While it's free to get the venue, nothing else is free for us to do. So if you would like to um, celebrate the fact that you didn't have to take a gamble on how good this was going to be and show us in monetary... We were talking about those concrete signs of, of love and approval. Yay! <laughs> That's what we like to see. So in, you know, um, in, in, in either um, chinking is good, crinkling is better. It helps not to damage the bucket so everyone gets happy. Are there actual things to give people? Or just gratitude. just gratitude, just gratitude. That's what you'll get. But yeah, you'll you'll you know, karmic karmic goodness will come your way, and you can feel like you are a patron or matron of the arts. Oh yes. Um, I'm also going to tell you what other voices is because this lady who's about to come up was uh, the other founder member, the person who I rang up and I said this needs to happen, and she said hell's yes. So basically. This is why we are other voices. This is why everyone who's got up here is an other voice. Because what you tend to see in poetry and as in comedy panel shows and music and all sorts of things is a whole selection of talented and wonderful, but generally straight, white, heterosexual, cisgendered, able-bodied, neurotypical men. Which is great. And they have lots of things to say, but we wanted to hear all the other stories we weren't hearing. It's like realising that you've got a nutrient missing from your diet. And we wanted people to come along here and go, oh, here's, here's a path less trod, or at least trod by, in some cases, 50% of the population, but not, not shown quite as much. This show passes the Bechdel test. This is, yes, this is one of those things. So, um, yeah, and like I say, I was getting sick of being sent the same stories um, to show on stages. I knew there was all sorts of other stuff to come and be shown and heard and seen and felt. And this lady said, yes, let's do it. And you are going to celebrate that and bring her to this bedecked microphone, ladies and gentlemen. Our final act is Hannah Chutzpah. Hello. I'm sorry I screwed up timing. I had to run for mine. Is it still a tight ten or should I? It might, might be more like eight. Okay, cool. In which case, I have longer to ramble in between. Yay! Right, this. This first one is from my show Asking Nicely, which is all about permission and what makes us feel either confident and entitled or like we don't deserve and we don't belong and it's on every day for free at 6.45 at Pilgrim which is just down the end of Nidri Street and like left for about three metres <laughs> after five hugs, two hours and four cups of tea my friend and I have worked out what is wrong with her life <laughs> nothing Nice boyfriend, nice house share, nice job. And it's scary. 
See, it's been so long since any of those were sorted that happiness for her feels like waiting for the other shoe to drop. We weren't born like this. Eyes scanning the skies for swarms of locusts to sweep in and swallow it all, but after enough disasters, contentment can feel like a crisis looming, like a catastrophe overdue. Fear doesn't disappear the moment the threat has. The damage doesn't undo the moment the pressure stops. The after effects can embed deep within us. Scuba divers know this. After the pressure bars relent, after the ascent to normality, the things you have absorbed can still bubble out. Surfacing alone won't stop it. Decompression sickness strikes when the dissolved gases absorbed underwater, under pressure, come out too fast. Bubble inside us. The gases can crop up anywhere, in the joints, in the bloodstream. The bends can blister skin like bubble wrap, affect breathing or the central nervous system. Trauma can rewire responses to a hair trigger, can turn people to powder kegs with threat detection sections that light up siren high in an MRI. Threat awareness doesn't care if you've seen active service or your father's fist. It just knows you need to be alert, aware, always scanning the situation to protect you. And my friend? Sure, she could shout now. But she learnt not to. Learnt that no was an avenue she had no right to go down. We are marked by our memories. Taught thought patterns, good or bad, and unlearning can take longer. The past can still bubble up. Make us choke or stagger when we thought we were clear. We are all screwed up in our own special snowflake ways, and a crumpled piece of paper will never be crisp again, but a crumpled banknote is still legal tender. Buy some time. Whether you decompress in a boxing gym, on a therapist's couch, or with hugs and mugs of tea, breathe in to the cramps. Gas dissipates, scars fade, fists unclench. Read your own creased palm for your next move. The future featuring lessons learnt can be reached reading your own roadmap. Uniquely crumpled, uniquely yours, leading to something better. I love this gig. Thank you for bringing it back. Hey. Um, and this next one is going to be a bit more stupid. <laughs> Sli some, a few laughs in it, anyway. So, can I... I can't see anyone, so can I have a whoop for who here's had a job? Woo! Who here's had a shit job? Yay! I hear you. Uh, <laughs> 
currently I'm working for a charity. My manager takes time off to go follow his favourite Riot Girl band around on tour. I've never had it so good in my life. But it has not always been this good. Um, this is so shit. You can tell a woman designed it. Cross. That is so gay. Cross. I'm not being racist, right? But cross. Shithead bingo. A game for hostile work environments. <laughs> Step one, create your shithead bingo card. Select your targets from stereotypes and disadvantaged groups. The elderly, sex workers, ethnic minorities, fat people, thin people, people on benefits, women with small tits, female drivers, child abuse survivors. This is your shithead bingo card. Create this card in your head. <laughs> you don't want a note lying around that looks like the Brixton Bombers to-do list. <laughs> Pick nine squares each week for the starter game or 25 if you're playing pro. Congratulations, you are now ready to play shithead bingo. Whenever a square on your card is called by your shitty colleagues' shitty jokes, cross it off. The bitter smile this gives you will distract you from diggling, digging nails into palms, doodling violent doom, or going to the bathroom again to text a friend, self-harm, or cry. <laughs> I've got this hole in my trousers, and now I look like I'm homeless. Cross. She's just being a spastic. Cross. He never gets around in fucking Jew. Cross. If one week you find every square crossed off, Congratulations, you have just won at Shithead Bingo. <laughs> Throw your arms in the air and shout, Full House! Fuck you all! <laughs> Defenestrate your computer along oh. with any colleagues you wish. Leave in a victory parade of security guards or police. <laughs> Why don't we just send them all back cross? Thick people shouldn't breed, cross. The Special Olympics was kind of funny, that cross. If you have been playing for weeks and have not yet won, remember that you are not wasting years of your life surrounded by assholes. You are just playing a very long game of shithead bingo. This stapler is retarded, cross. These are my tranny shoes, cross. I got so tan this one time, I looked like a terrorist, cross. Sorry. <laughs> Be strong, especially you, Faye. <laughs> Be strong. You know something they don't know. Their punchlines are the bingo balls spinning in their cage, predictable in their horror, helping you to while away the day. Don't get cross, just cross it off. Two fat chick jokes, 88. <laughs> if your manager, the one with the rape jokes, reviews your performance poorly, brings up your bad attitude and tells you to consider this a warning, remember that he has crossed a line. His comments crossed off a whole line by Thursday. <laughs> Play the game. Promise him you'll do better. And you will. Next week, you'll pick a card so good that by Friday, you'll be sitting in the job centre victorious. <laughs> Wonderful stuff. With immaculate timing, that was Hannah Hutzpah. Yeah. And again, her 
her show is on at 6.45, which is why this is such a tight turnaround for her. Um, just down the road and around a little bit at Pilgrim. Um, yeah, so up on until the end of the Fringe, on until the 29th. Now, every single person who's got up on the stage has a book. So that's another way you can show your concrete signs of love and approval. At least ask us about our book, even if, you know, just to show interest. But, um, yeah, they're all, they're all quite reasonably priced and they're very lovely and you can take a piece of a poet home to keep or you can just listen to this podcast again when it comes out and goes, I was there. Right, ladies and gentlemen, um, I would like another round of applause for Hannah. Woo! I would like another round of applause for Keith. Woo! For Andy. Woo! For Tina. Woo! For Stan. Tragedy! Thank you very much indeed. Um, yes, so we have been other voices, and I am looking forward to the day when we are no longer other voices, when this show is not necessary, when we are merely voices echoing in chorus, and we are all glorious, ladies and gentlemen. You have been glorious and lovely and wonderful, and I don't say that to every audience, ladies and gentlemen. Give yourselves a round of applause. <laughs> Have a wonderful night. We'll see you again soon. Bye-bye.